Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi. Before we get into the show, a super quick reminder. When you leave ratings and reviews for our show, it helps us so much. Even if you don't feel like writing out a review, if you just push those stars buttons, give us a strong review. It helps other people find us. And that is so good for us. Thank you so much for all of your support. Welcome to A Thing or Two, deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two HQ.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. First episode of January, I feel like it's a good like setup to the new year. We have a good guest coming on with her thingies and yes. a business that just like feels like ripe for like January. I agree completely. A hardware business. A hardware business. A hardware Yans. business for a more diverse, broader audience than most hardware oh. businesses are for. I mean, what's what like what's more lovable and charming than that? Nothing. Well, absolutely nothing. Romance novels. Uh, equally. Equally. We're going to do just a romance novel update. A romance novel update. Exactly. Yeah. We have like kind of a lot of them to discuss, I feel like. I feel like you have a lot. I just have some like high level highlights on two things. Well, you know what? We'll also, I'll also tell about the other ones that are on my list. Okay, great, great. Um, I want to start by talking about Helen Huang, who is this author who wrote The Kiss Quotient, The Bride Test, The Heart Principle. If you know anything about the romance space, you've seen her books. If you don't, I just don't feel like you need to know about her. Like she's very much... I think a thing. So her latest book, The Heart Principle, was my favorite. If you want to know where to start, you definitely don't have to read it chronologically. They're like very like, you know, small spoilers, like in like Talia Hibbert's books or whatever, where they're mm-hmm. like kind of in the same universe and they're like crossover The other moments. one who's like, this is Jasmine Guillory. Yes, yes. Where exactly. like there's like always like a supporting character becomes a main character in a different novel, but it's like, it's not spoilers so much. You like, yeah. All, also, all these things have happy endings. So not it, there's there are truly no spoilers. <laughs> no. It, if you're and if you're not going into it expecting that, then that's like yeah. a whole other thing. Yeah. But the so the thing about the heart principle is that it talks about 
depression and grief and burnout and caregiver burnout specifically, which do not feel like common themes for this sort of thing at all. But like in a way that like does not feel sad. It just feels like really weaving the like realities of, you know, people's lives and existences into this. And Helen wrote about this, about like specifically depression and burnout and her own experiences with those things informed this book. But all of these books, the thing that they have in common is that they each have uh, main characters with autism. Mm. And, you know, obviously all of the characters, like these three main characters are very different and have very different experiences with autism as does anyone who experiences this. But the thing that I discovered recently that I did not know is So Helen, when she set out to write her first book, she had this idea that it was going to be Pretty Woman, but the reverse, like Mm -hmm. the man, like the dude was going to be an escort, but she didn't really know how to like get into it and was like, why is the woman hiring him? Like, what's the motivation here? Yeah. And her daughter was in preschool and her daughter's preschool teacher told Helen that she thought that her daughter might have autism. And so while she was doing a deep dive into symptoms of autism, she was like, wait, this is me. Like... This is like I'm seeing I have, myself. I love Josh. I love I Josh. Have autism. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, she saw a therapist, she saw a psychiatrist. And when she was 34, she got her diagnosis that she, you know, has high, she has high functioning autism, i.e., like what used to be referred to as Asperger's. And was and yeah. We no longer refer to Asperger's. Well, it's just, I think it's like kind of being like uh being recognized more as a spectrum versus like two separate things. Exactly. In having this realization about herself and in, you know, uh, sort of contending with this diagnosis for the first time and seeing how it's going to affect her life, she was like, wait, that's the answer for the like main character in this book. Yes. She will have autism and that will uh, be my sort of like entree into why she's hiring this escort. So the like course of writing these three books has been part of her like personal discovery of understanding her own experience uh, with autism and just understanding autism and how it rep- and how it represents in people in general, which I just think is so fucking fascinating. It really is. It really is. My mom read one of these books too and also really liked it. And it was one of the things where we were at the Ripped Bodice, the romance novel bookstore in LA, and she asked for a recommendation. I feel like they were like as a first timer into the world of romance novels and like maybe just picking up on certain things about my mom. They gave her the kiss quotient and she loved it. She thought it was really good and really well written. One of the things I liked about this third one is that it talks a lot about masking and basically a person who is, uh, who has high functioning autism, their ability to hide it Mm -hmm. and to like operate as though they don't, but that it takes such an emotional toll on them. Mm -hmm. And that like that can be so, so challenging um, and like ultimately damning because you just like don't get to be yourself. Yeah. And she wrote a piece for the New York Times recently about coming out as autistic to her family and um, that basically like they didn't really care that she was autistic as long as she didn't act like she was autistic uh, uh-huh. and having to contend with the like, no, but the masking thing is like way too hard on me on a day to day. I can't be like yeah. doing that. I can't be like right. walking through the world like that. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. You just finished something that you're really excited about and I want to hear about. I, did, I haven't finished it yet. Okay. I you, just want to be honest something. with our listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah. 
I am reading The View is Exhausting by Michaela Clements and Anjali Dada. I know about it from you. You put it in Secret Menu as something you wanted to read. And your description of the plot was so enticing that I shoved all of the other books in my queue out of the way to immediately download this thing. So it's like, I need to read this. So the premise is, um, as you said, it's it, it feels sort of Benefer. Basically, so the main character is this British Indian actress who is on the rise, like she's, she's a star, but she's constantly getting herself into sort of PR hot water because of her temper or her breakups at both. And so she basically has this routine or her publicist creates this routine for her whenever they need to distract from bad PR that is usually related to her breakups. They pull in this guy, Leo Milanowski, who's the son of a billionaire, and he's her fake on-again, off-again boyfriend. It just sort of follows their relationship and the drama and, and the love and the obvious chemistry between them. And I just realized that part of what pulled me into it is I love the celebrity. I love when there's a celebrity aspect of of a romance yes. novel. I don't know yes. why. I just I mean, for the same reason I love celebrity gossip, I'm just fascinated by celebrity. And this focuses on celebrity so well because it's the machinations of like how you turn a relationship into PR strategy. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. other super interesting thing about it. So I, it's like, it's very good. It's very sexy. It's not as sexy as the idea of the you. idea of you. It's I it, can't believe it took you a beat to think of that. That ex- that tells me today. That I'm you're having tired. a lot of trouble with titles <laughs> lately. I had to just look up the name of the other one I wanted to talk about. But um, it's not as sexy as that. But the, I would say it's as well written as the idea of you. The chemistry is as good as the idea of you. The references, like it all feels right. You know, I get so screwed up if I feel like a romance novel is describing like an outfit that I don't think is cool or a guy who I don't think is handsome. I just don't have. If she's wearing a cardigan that's meant to be sexy, you're like absolutely not. I'm not buying it. I just can't. I need these (laughs) things to be catered to my tastes so aggressively. And this one is, um, luckily. And what's super interesting about it is written by two women actually who are married, who were in a long distance relationship when they started writing together. And they started (gasps) writing together to sort of deal with the boredom and tedium of a long distance relationship. Like it just was this way to sort of keep a creative spark and romantic spark alive between them. Yeah, it's super interesting. And I love, so um, Michelle Ruiz, who writes for Vogue.com and who, God bless her, has really been on the idea of you beat, also interviewed these two about writing the book and asked them about being gay and writing straight romance. And so one of them says, there is this really lovely, rich tradition of queer authors writing about heterosexuality, either because it was unacceptable at the time to write about queerness or because the plot doesn't work with queer characters. You have authors like Henry James or E.M. Forrester. It was kind of nice for us to think about this as a subject that we're not barred from. And then her wife says, it didn't really play into it. Like maybe we don't know enough about men to be able to write this. I feel like there's so much media about men. And then her wife says, yeah, I didn't feel worried about misrepresenting straight men. And I was like, yes. (laughs) Yes. Everything about those three little quotes is just like such a hard sell for this book. So I mean, like there's nothing there that I'm not obsessed with. And it does just bring to mind Benefer so much because basically like they're together. They first get together seven years before they like get together again in this bigger way on the on the big screen or on sort of center stage, I'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually don't think Benefer is fake. Maybe it is. I mean, how do I know? And also like these women are don't come, these women who wrote it don't come from the celebrity world. So I don't know why I'm letting, they don't have like insider information. Right. Like I don't know why I'm letting them tell me what I think is true about celebrity or not. But I do now feel like I'm like, even if Benefer is real, I still have to imagine that some of the machinations about like how the yacht photos. Yeah. Like, like I feel like I have a better understanding of how that all comes together. I did go back to the Harry and Olivia yacht photos after getting into this book. And I was like, 
I feel like they were like, we're going to give this to the paparazzi. We're just going to give them this thing. Like, I know I basically no longer believe that any paparazzi romance shots are unplanned. Except the ones that are seriously unplanned. The authors of this book were actually inspired by um, Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleswift. Or no, Tom, Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> Hiddleswift was their couple's name, right? Yeah, totally, uh, totally. Which I was such a weird, I hated it relationship, but they were like, well, why? Because so he wore, wore that I love Taylor t-shirt. It was so, it was so awful. Awful. It was terrible. Ugh. Anyway, it's really fun to imagine reading this book, what it would be like to date in the public eye like that. And how, even if it is real, there are clearly these, you know, sort of all this strategy that has to go into it. Thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. As people who think and talk and care a lot about mental health in general, we are so proud to partner with BetterHelp. We are also interested in all sorts of stuff that are helping our mental health. One of those things lately has been one line a day journals, which we both have been doing, which is funny because we don't both normally journal that much, but over the past couple of years have gotten into this particular form of journaling. Right? Well, it's like journaling light. It's like yeah. very light. Yeah. Not very little is expected of me, but I get a lot in return or something. I've now <laughs> been doing it sort of like regularly enough over the last couple of years that I've able to step back and realize that it does this thing where it really gives you like a bigger picture sense of things. And when you flip through the pages, you get a sense of like, oh, here are certain things I'm stuck on. And like, here are these certain patterns I get stuck in. Or you also get a sense of, wow, I've actually made progress in this area of my life or that things changed. And that's felt like this really, I don't know, healthy (laughs) sort of practice in my life, which I really appreciate and feels like a nice sort of tool in my mental health toolkit. Speaking of mental health toolkits, talking to a licensed therapist can help you feel better. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online so you can get help on your own time and at your own pace. They have 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states and four modes of communication, text, chat, phone, and video. Anything you share is confidential, and if for any reason you're not happy with your counselor, you can request a different one. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors as needed. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash a thing or two. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash a thing or two. Thank you so much for supporting the sponsors to make it possible for us to bring you this show every week. Thank you so much to Redeeming Love for sponsoring today's episode. I think we had a lot of romance in our lives in 2021. Like I feel like you and I like hit that fairly hard. But I think like the theme of 2022 is to hit it even harder. Like, I mean, it doesn't seem like much is changing in 2022. We're just ramping up, right? And this is like self-soothing or like mm-hmm. whatever. Like, I just feel like bring bring all the good feelings over, come around, like we're here for it. The books, the movies, the TV, the all of it. And like Redeeming Love is exactly the place to start. If you were a fan of romantic movies and love films with beautiful cinematography, then Redeeming Love is for you out this month. Based on the international best-selling novel by Francine Rivers, Redeeming Love takes place during the California gold rush of 1850 and follows the life of Angel, who was the most notoriously sought after woman in the Sierra Nevada foothills town of Paradise. That's Paradise, like D-I-C-E. All right. So as Angel's about to give up finding freedom, she finds Michael and encounters a love that's unlike anything she's ever experienced. But the shame of her past causes Angel to run away from the very thing she's always wanted. 
As Michael sets out to find her, Angel discovers there is no brokenness that love can't heal. Redeeming Love features Abigail Cowan, Nina Dobrev, Eric Dane, and Famke Johnson. What a cast, and is rated PG-13 and premieres January 21st in theaters nationwide. So bring a friend or even your significant other to see Redeeming Love. For more information or to find tickets to a theater near you, visit redeeminglovemovie.com. That's redeeminglovemovie.com. Hey friends, my name's Olivia Perez, and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. Okay. I want to tell you about one that I feel like you need to read. Um, I really want to read this. You yes. really need to read it. Okay. So this author, Emily Henry, has become like a very big thing in this space over the last couple of years. She wrote Beach Read, People We Meet on Vacation, and she has a book called Book Lovers out in May. I would like to talk about People We Meet on Vacation because I'm, I have, there's a little bit of like animosity, discontent, something in my heart that mm-hmm. no one was like, that I wasn't getting like dozens of DMs about this book before I read it because it involves University of Chicago, our alma mater, yeah. magazine, like working in magazines, yeah. something I did, and Palm Springs, my favorite place to go on vacation. Even any one of those things could have it been enough. It is quite shocking that you had to find this on your own. I, I just was like, what is the internet for if not for telling me about this book? Like, Seriously, I, should... I agree with you. Anyway. It's a little bit when Harry met Sally vibes. Mm-hmm. They the main characters meet during O Week orientation week at University of Chicago. Mm-hmm. They're like very different, except she's like the fun outgoing one, and he's mm-hmm. like the uptight one. But they're like friends all through college, but they like never have like anything going. And then there's like this like long term you know tension that's building. It's great. Like they get that they like hit the right notes. There's like and she her best friend is like an influencer like a career influencer who like who like navigates all of those things in the right way it's like i don't know i feel like you will just like appreciate the tone um and all of that i 100% will i really i love that they meet at university of chicago it means so much to me <laughs> so much absolutely so much the other book that i had to kick out of bed in order to read the view is exhausting was this other one that I've pre-ordered like months ago because as soon as I learned about it, I was like, well, I need this. It's called If This Gets Out. And it has been billed to me at least as like loosely Harry Styles fanfic for all the people. What is it? You know, what is it? (laughs) What is it? (laughs) Really for all of the One Direction fans who were shipping Harry and Liam. Yeah. I think those are the one, those are the two that people thought were together. I think so too. I prefer to think of it as being Harry and Zane if any of them were going to have a secret love affair, but um, I think it was Harry and Claire, same, but but those are the two I'm most interested in is why. (laughs) So the premise is that there are these two boy banders who are in a band together who who get together secretly and are in love with each other. Um, I started it. I read a couple of pages before I I diverted to the Benefer one, but so far so good. I will say I was telling you that like, I just don't like boys that much. So it's harder for me to get (laughs) invested in an all boy romance, but it definitely is going to cater to my desire for deep diving on celebrity dynamics, because that is like very much part of the setup and the exposition is just talking about what it means to be in a boy band, what you're allowed to do and what you're not. And one of them being like, 
openly gay, at least with his inner, inner circle and, and like not being able to be out publicly and mm-hmm, stuff like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm very excited for this. I suspect by the next time, by the time that this comes out, I will probably have read it. I hope so. I hope so too. Well, you know, you said something so, so correct that has really stuck with me when we were actually doing the ad read for Dipsy, which is the like short, sexy audio stories, our sponsor that feels like related to romance novels. But you were talking about how the thing about romance novels is when you start a good one, it's like you have to finish it immediately. You have to like stay up all night. It's like all consuming. It's all consuming. You have to do it all at once, which like you like kind of pray for like a sick day, snow day so that you can just like (laughs) do that. I mean, I both stayed up all night reading the idea of you when we read it. And like it was just, you know, it's it's a commitment. So I I'm excited to have the time to throw myself into into a good romance novel. The other thing that I am really excited about that's coming out um, in February of this year is Bone Mary Berry. I don't know why it's really hard for me to say. It is a little tongue twistery. Yeah. FMK. FMK. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So this is a podcast from Rom-Com Pods, which is a series that was launched during the pandemic from Rachel King and Becca Freeman. Becca Freeman is also one half of Bad on Paper with Grace Atwood, which is another great podcast. So they just love romance novels and decided to do romance novels as podcast series. And basically each season of Rom-Com Pods is a different romance story. And they're delightful. And they are now, they partnered with Dear Media, which is actually the podcast network that we're on to do sort of like a balls to the wall, big production budget, like with Sarah with Highland act- is starring yeah. in it. Yeah. Big um, talent, big talent. Yeah. Big talent. Which I'm really yeah. excited to see because these women, Rachel and Becca have been doing this like shoestring budget funding it themselves, like not to make money. And they've been doing a really good job of it. So I'm excited to see like a high production budget romance novel podcast. The premise of this one is that it takes place at a New Year's Eve party. And Allie, who is played by Sarah Highland from um, Modern Family, will bone Mary and bury three different people. And they're all at this party. Perfect. I'm excited. I will say my one complaint about rom-com pods is you can't, well, unless you come to it later in the season, you can't binge it because they just dole these out one at a time. And that is challenging for me with this format. Listen, at least you know, I, here's the thing. I, I like that they do, kind of dose it for you, yeah. right? They no, put it's it in that true. pill you pad for you. And they're like, you cannot, you cannot have more. I'm sorry. It's true. It's I'm true. sorry. Okay, should we bring our guest on? Let's do it. Okay, so we are here today with Kelly Wright, who is a Korean woman from a small town in South Carolina, um, like rural South Carolina. And for like context, Mm -hmm. when she moved to New York, her dad gave her a toolbox full of tools and like sent her off, which just feels like the opening scene of something. Truly so sweet. I love it so much. She worked as a brand and communication strategist. She worked with your husband at some yes. point. And she now runs basically the coolest hardware store on the internet. It's all about function and independent brands and helping people feel like they can actually put tools to use. I have to say also, I had no idea that she worked with Chris until we had already been in contact with her. I we just it. discovered this thing on our own because it's so cool. It's just a really highly curated, really well done and friendly hardware store on the internet. The name of it, Yuns, comes from the fact that in the part of America where she comes from. Yuns is sort of like interchangeable with y'all. It's how they say like you guys, you ones. She named it that because she wanted this hardware store to be for everybody, like to be for Yuns, for like just a really like broad, diverse set of people so that there wasn't that intimidation factor that you didn't feel like, oh, you're like, if I don't know what a Phillips head screwdriver is, can I even walk in? Exactly. Or I just like don't look like somebody who belongs in a hardware store or whatever it is, which is just not something that you necessarily think about when it comes to hardware stores, but like as we'll get into with her, like 
knowing how to do things and being handy is such an important life skill. And, and I just really admire this effort to open that up to everybody and make it accessible to everybody. And I love that about the name so much. So much. So we're having her give, give her picks for thingies, which are, you know, the best things by Mm -hmm. category. And yeah, we're going to start doing more guest thingies episodes because fun. They're fun. They're really fun. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for being here. Hi. It's so cool to be here. It's so nice to meet both of you. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. We're thrilled to have you. Just so thrilled. And I think, you know, we told everybody that this is going to be a guest thingies episode and this is only our second guest thingies episode, but I just feel like you're like the right kind of tone setting that this needs. You know, (laughs) I agree. Everything that you carry, I feel like, what is that thing? I need to know more about it, whether it's like a tool or a jar of peanuts. I just feel like you are a perfect thingies candidate. Okay. So first of all, Tell us a little bit about Yuns. Yes. Um, well, whenever I talk about Yuns, the first thing I kind of like to say is that we're a new kind of hardware store. And I think what makes us a different concept than your traditional hardware store that you probably know down the street is that our shop is super, super curated. So we want to offer a really tight collection of the most essential and most basic tools and also homewares that we also classify as tools because they each, you know, everything we carry tries to have some sort of utility function purpose. And the reason why, you know, that matters and and why we do it is, is really because the experience of buying and using tools is usually a pretty intimidating process or experience for a lot of people. So we want to help demystify that and that experience. What made you want to start this business? A couple different things. You know, I think the origin story really is I grew up in like deep rural Appalachian mountains, like deep in the South in a small town. And, you know, the most important place in our town was the local hardware store. It was actually owned by a woman named Martha. So it was Martha's Hardware. Oh, love Martha already. I love it. I love it so much. Love Martha. She actually used to babysit me too. So she had like a really profound impact on me. Yeah, she was awesome. She's still around. She sold her business and it's like a barbecue restaurant now, sadly, but um, Martha is an icon. But, you know, there there were obviously lots of um, different spaces for community and congregation, but the hardware store was really the only one that felt like it was for anybody and everybody, all walks of life. Um, And people not only needed to go there, but wanted to go there all the time because it was just a real true community space. And you kind of run into people. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it just sounds (laughs) like a CW show. I know. (laughs) I'm like, is it part of Dixie? Is it like, this is truly incredible. Okay. Keep going. I'm sorry. It was incredibly rude. I just. (laughs) No, no. It was very, Mayberry in lots of ways, but it was also like, um, I don't know, like uh, a David Lynch movie in lots of ways too, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. just the dark side of a small town, but it was, it was very cute in lots of ways. But what I loved, I think one of the reasons I loved going there was because, you know, beyond the very practical stuff that you buy there, it's just, a, it's a place to use your imagination to get creative. You know, it completely, it, the shop exists to, to completely exist, to give you tools um, for how to do things yourself and learn new things yourself. And so that was really, you know, very impactful for me. And like, you know, my family's a farming family, blue collar family. So we would just like, we get our coffee and our clothes there the same way we get tools and other, you know, um, machinery we needed there. So that was like very formative for me. But then I think like growing up and then like leaving home and moving to New York, um, you know, it was kind of the opposite of what I knew. And, you know, again, growing up in that environment, everybody just kind of knew how to do these things through experience and exposure. 
And so I became, you know, typical New York renter, apartment renter. And so did all the people around me and people I knew. And so um, I just noticed that like the skills, the behaviors, that kind of self-reliance, that understanding how to do things yourself were just not part of, I think, my generation and just the people around me. So it just seemed like there was a real knowledge and experience gap. And I'm by no means like the millennial Bob Vila, but like I do have like a certain level of, you know, experience and exposure and appreciation for these things and really wanted to help bridge that gap and make it more accessible to more people. Were there certain little moments you had when you were, when you moved to New York and were encountering friends who just like didn't have those skills? Were there certain things that you were like, oh, really? Like that's not a thing you know how to do? Oh, totally. Like even, I mean, even like with the most obvious things like Ikea furniture, which I think is the most like base level, like they literally give you everything you need. And like, there's like very simple instructions. I would be the person, I was literally the person my friends would call, text, DM, whatever, and ask to come over to like help them assemble these things. And then just like little, like, you know, odd jobs, like putting up art or putting up, you know, people were buying prints and framing them and just didn't have a hammer and screwdrivers or a level and things like that just to do very simple things. So it was, it was like that kind of stuff where I was like, wow, like I thought that this was very common knowledge, but I think that it's just not. And I think a lot of people feel uncomfortable and sort of, like I said, intimidated, but just, you know, it's, it's just not something that they feel like they could just get into or feel like was interesting in, in any way. What's your favorite tool? Oh my God. It changes. I think that right now I'm obsessed with a very humble tool. I actually have it right here. I didn't know if you want to see it. You do. Oh my gosh, but, of course um, we do. <laughs> what do you mean? So this is, <laughs> these are called the slip joint pliers. They're on the site. Actually, if you get deep into like tool community stuff and like tool like discussion boards and stuff, they're like, <laughs> people throw a lot of shade at the slip joint pliers. They're sort right. of like- Controversial? No, not controversial. Okay. Not contro- okay. Nothing, nothing weird or explosive about nothing them. Nothing dark. But, um, <laughs> nothing dark. My theory is because they're really great generalist pliers. So you, they're just great to have around when you need to grab or pull or twist things, just in general. And I'll, I can get into more examples in a second. But you know, most pliers and most wrenches are designed for specific use cases. So, like you know, the needle nose pliers. You know, that's for I, I have something small I need to bend or twist or whatever in a small space. Or I, I mean, not a ton of people do plumbing, but if you were doing plumbing, there's like tongue and groove pliers that you need to hold pipes. So these are just like they, as tool innovation has progressed, they've just kind of been left behind because they were kind of one of the first very basic adjustable pliers. But yeah, the tool industry has come a long way and people are like, those are boring. But I think they're actually, there's like a, there is like a subculture that's like, like huge fans of these pliers too. So, which is hilarious, but I love them. What, what makes, like what made now feel right to launch this? Like it's an interesting time where like, it's easier than ever to not know anything about tools because you can call a task rabbit, right? And and it, it's easier than ever to outsource all of this knowledge. Why did it feel like now was the right time to do this? It's funny because I do think, I mean, it's, I've heard the story a lot with a lot of people who have been thinking about ideas for a long time and then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And that was where it was just an opportunity to one, like why hold back any longer? Just do something, put something in the world. Don't, you know, wait. But also I think because, you know, for me, it was like, well, we're all stuck inside. We all are like staring at, you know, the things that we want to do or haven't done in our apartments or our houses. 
a lot of people I knew were actually buying houses for the first time. So it just felt like a great moment because people were actually interested in pursuing these things in a real way that it felt like it could be meaningful to be like, you know, this is an experiment. This is something I want to test and try. Um, But there feels like there's real appetite and not just from a small niche DIY community, but like, you know, culture at large, we're just getting interested in these things. Have you read the Rahman Alam book, Leave the World Behind? No. Okay. Well, there's this like theme that runs through it where basically the fact that nobody can do anything for themselves like really (laughs) screws them over and just like how dark it is to like be in this place where like I can't get anywhere without GPS. I can't like, I, I don't know what way North is like all of these things like just become beats. And I feel like there is this, this starting to be this understanding of like, it's really bad that we can't do anything like that. We're like humans that like actually can't operate without these phones, like without this thing, we like can't do anything at all. A hundred percent. There's another article that came out in the New York times that reminds me of what you're saying was called the age of convenience. Mm. It's all about convenience culture and how, yeah, we've outsourced everything. And we were literally, if some like, you know, not to get super dark, but just the things are happening with the climate, the things are happening, you know, the impending things are happening just like in this country. It's like if the plug was unplugged or if we had to somehow hunker down and survive or do things ourselves, like, would we be able to, I mean, we could probably figure it out if, you know, we had to, but, you know, it really does matter. And I think to your point, yeah, like growing those skills and learning how to grow our own food and do our own things. And again, that self-reliance, that really is the mission, I think, of, of all of this is how can you make that as easy to get as anything else, you know, that we can get in the world. Thank you so much to Shopify for sponsoring today's episode. Not to brag or anything, but Claire and I were very early adopters of Shopify when we ran our e-commerce company of a kind. They were our e-com platform since 2010. I mean, I feel like this is a really meaningful partnership for us. This is like a company we used for nine years. This is a company that we were grew our business with us the whole time since 2010. Since 2010. And I mean, it was amazing when we started using it and it's only gotten better. There was like, yeah, there's so many features and things that over the years we were like, but we need, but we need. And like, lo and behold, it has all those things now. Um, It happened. It fully happened. It really feels like our baby grew up. I mean, it was not (laughs) our baby, but a baby that, you know, we we were in daycare with, I guess. We certainly nagged the team there, (laughs) like via customer service emails, as though it was like, as though we were like parents at pre school being like, um, excuse me. We were helicopter parents and now we're proud helicopter parents. Um, (laughs) we really truly love Shopify and have evangelized about them for so long. We're so excited to be partnering with them now. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility with a million milestones and constant evolution needs. We grew Avakind over the course of nine years, and though you might not have realized it from the outside, our commerce functionality was constantly being tweaked and upgraded on the back end, and Shopify was able to handle it all. Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. You can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. You can synchronize your online and in-person sales and gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash a thing or two, all lowercase for a free 14-day trial 
and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash a thing or two right now. That's shopify.com slash a thing or two. We are so proud to partner with this company and we're so grateful to you for supporting sponsors who make it possible to bring you this show every week. Thank you so much to Modern Fertility for sponsoring today's episode. As always, before we get into this read, we wanted to take a minute to acknowledge how painful the topic of fertility can be for a lot of people. And we want to send our love to anyone dealing with infertility or pregnancy loss. And to that point, if you need to skip over this ad read, please go for it. Hit the 30 second fast forward button a few times and you should be in the clear. All right, Modern Fertility. We are so excited about partnering with this brand, especially right now in the new year when so many people make goals and resolutions that center around their health. And for women, a big part of that big picture health can be fertility. And whether you want kids or not, getting a sense of what's what with your fertility hormones, egg count, and more can be hugely helpful in understanding what's going on with your body. We're so excited about partnering with Modern Fertility because they make this type of testing far more accessible than it's typically been and also give you access to one-on-one discussions with fertility nurses to get a deeper understanding of your results and any next steps you might want to consider. Modern fertility is the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with the prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing with their doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the same information. If you go to modernfertility.com slash a thing or two, you can get $20 off your test. Also, if you have an HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars on Modern Fertility. You'll get insight on how many eggs you have, hormone levels, all that stuff. The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. If you want kids today or maybe in the future or maybe not at all, you want to get the information that will help you make the decision that's right for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash a thing or two. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at the doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash a thing or two. Modernfertility.com slash a thing or two. Kelly, did you bring some thingies with you? Oh my God, I brought, yes, I did. They're so random. Um, I'm on a, <laughs> the that's how we like them. That's how we like them. They're so random, um, but hopefully you and hopefully the listeners will get some sort of appreciation out of some of these things. Well, the first thing I brought was, um, well, I'll just say coffee is my favorite thing, period. Period. I know it sounds trite, but it's, it's my best friend and it's probably one of the bigger chunks of my personal food pyramid is coffee. (laughs) That said, I'm, I'm not a coffee snob. I drink good coffee. I drink bad coffee. I love a Japanese pour over. I'll crush a cup of Folgers if I have to. So my usual way of drinking it is like super is just black and really hot. But my latest obsession is this drink called a frozen cafe. No, from a no idea. small Mm-mm. okay is this is, everything is this the same as the fro the pods that come frozen no i don't know about those oh like there's the, these like it's like instant coffee that comes frozen i i don't know too much about it either i just keep seeing it whoa okay i need to investigate that because okay. I, I would be so in, I, instant coffee i think is okay. amazing too this is actually from a small coffee and sandwich shop in williamsburg called edith's have you heard of okay. edith yes i've heard of edith's but that's all i know Super cute. I think Edith, who's the owner, originally started it as a pop-up and then people just loved it so much that, you know, they eventually got their own storefront and it's tiny and it's cute and there's always a line. But I just was walking past it one day and there was a huge line and people just like screaming about this coffee. And I was like, what is this? And then I walked in and I was like, 
saw this machine, like one of those like Slurpee machines in the Ooh, background. Uh-huh. I was like, I have to try this coffee because people are just like literally talking about it on the street. And I was like kind of scared because I'm also lactose intolerant. So I was like, well, I'll just like have a sip and like really rolling the dice here. <laughs> I don't drink caffeine. And that's how I am sometimes about those drinks where I'm like, I'm just going to have a sip because I want to taste it. Yeah. Same. Yeah. And just trash it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, what's in this coffee? And it is literally frozen cold brew, oat milk and tahini. <gasps> that mixed sounds together. so good. It is so good. It is so good. It's slightly sweet. So if you're scared of like sweet stuff, like don't be scared. It's not like a Frappuccino or something. It's like just slightly sweet. And it's become like the carrot on the stick for me, like during the week where I'm like, I have to like get all my work done, but it's like my treat on Saturday where I'm like, this is my reward. And it's amazing. It's so good. That sounds so good. I Have you ever been to Golda in Bed-Stuy? Yes. They have a tahini latte now that I want to try because it just it, it feels right to me. The idea of tahini and coffee, oat milk, it all sounds very good. Yeah, just indulgent, rich, yep. delicious. Yes. And then to have it be Slurpee style is like, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> it's amazing. And if you go like they have amazing sandwiches, bagels, all kinds of stuff. It's like a very cute, charming shop and just a good local business to support. So I love, I love that. that. What else? What else did you bring? My next thing, I mean, it's it's another local business, but it's um, very near and dear to my heart. It's owned by a man named Ronnie Bieberman, and his business is called Ronnie Seltzer. Oh, what? Yeah, Ronnie Seltzer. Seltzer. Do you? Okay, well, you'll be so into this. And he delivers, you both live in Bed-Stuy? Yeah. He delivers to Bed-Stuy. But Ronnie is actually my good friend Jeff's dad, and he is one of the only remaining like old school seltzer men left in New York. I think at one point, I remember the New York Times wrote an article on him like years ago and he was like at that point, the last standing. And then I think some had like kind of come back around for some reason. So there are a couple more. Because such a thing, such yeah. a thing. So yeah, does totally. he deliver it in the like old school glass seltzer bottles? Yes. Wow. And in like big wooden cases. So if you get a, I guess, I would call it a subscription. He's not really a one-off person. Like he has customers he's had for like years and years. So if you get on his route, like he'll bring you every other week, like 10 of those huge 26 ounce old school seltzer bottles. They're like glass, they're like hand-blown glass from pre-World War II, like Eastern European artisans or glass makers. And it's just like, you know, the real deal seltzer like burns your face off when you, when you drink it. It's amazing. I kind of want to do this. Claire, because, same. Because same. here's the thing. Okay. So I've talked about this before. I have the Arca seltzer maker that I really love. It's like same idea as a soda stream, but it's nicer. I think it works better. You still have to use the soda stream canisters and I love it. I rely heavily on it, but I always feel like it's not the same as real deal seltzer. I mean, then part of that's because like maybe my water's not as good. I don't know what it is. Like I still crave store-bought seltzer, but I don't want to do that because it just feels so insanely wasteful. And also I can't like my arms aren't strong enough to carry that much seltzer back and forth all the time <laughs> from the grocery. So maybe Ronnie is my answer to like a supplement to my Arca seltzer maker. Totally. And it feels like, like the Arca can be your everyday thing. This feels like your special, like I'm going to make a spritz or it's like kind of a flex when you have company over in a weird way. Like you pull this out of your fridge and you're like, Oh, I just have, I just have this seltzer subscription. And then he comes back and picks up the bottles from you when he delivers the next round. Yes. Because this is also like, I don't have a, a setup. I just buy from the grocery store and 
buying cans feels like the best thing, obviously, because cans can be recycled so easily. But then also just like having a fridge full of seltzer cans is, you know, like its own thing. Um, also, yeah, I, don't I drink it. a can in three minutes. A can of is course. like a thimble. <laughs> a thimble. <laughs> I just, what am I to do with a can? I <laughs> mean, my current flex is like having a seltzer at lunch, you know, because oh, that yeah. just feels like a No, the problem move. is that if we have cans in our house, we will go through them so quickly. We, uh, there, there's no, uh, there's no like, oh, I'm going to have it with lunch as a treat. It's all day just mainlining them. <laughs> you just gum, gum with a case in a day. I need Ronnie. I need Ronnie. I love this. Ronnie, hit him on Facebook. That's like, you can call him and he'll... Do you think, are there, I'm acting as if you're a scholar in this, which you have not (laughs) claimed to be, but are seltzer delivery businesses happening anywhere else in the country or is it just in New York and there's just this one remaining person? Good question. I actually don't know about other parts of the country, but what I do know about New York is that there's one factory that makes it still. There's one left and Ronnie and I think there's one other major one and I can't remember what they're called. It's like Seltzer Brothers or something. They only go to this one place. So it's pretty small here. This also just feels like such a good gift for somebody, a Seltzer subscription. 100%. It's such a good gift. And he, I don't know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it's very charming just to have this person come by and like you get to know him and he's like, just total New Yorker. And yeah, yeah, it's very yeah funny. this feels like a charming relationship to invite into your home. <laughs> Come on over, Ronnie. I want to be friends. You're like, no. <laughs> that's, a, that's my relationship with Ronnie. But he's, he's, great. he's great. So good. What else you got, Kelly? Okay, this is a really practical one, but it's really essential to how I function day to day. Like I in my natural default state is being super unorganized and all over the place. And like, I would spin into chaos if I didn't impose like total structure and routine and order on myself. My friends are like, you're so together. And I'm like, I'm wiling out on the inside, like, (laughs) like just like crazy. So I have a planner, like an old school analog planner that I love. And I found it from this artist duo in Philly called Bonk, B-O-N-K, like Bonk. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. and what I love about it is that, I don't know, for me, planners are either really boring and like, I don't know, they, they're void of personality. They look like something from the eighties or they're almost too designed and they like have one too many like inspirational quotes in them. And I'm just like, you know, that's not what I'm here for. Like I actually don't need you to tell me how to live my life. Just give me the boxes (laughs) to fill in. Exactly. I'm like, live, laugh, love. Okay. Got it. (laughs) Don't don't need this. But what's awesome about this one is it's only six months. So it's pretty, you buy them in like two. So every six months, there's a different one. They have a different um, cover and like, it's just super fun how they do the design. But it's got this kind of spirit of like a punk zine from the 90s uh, uh-huh. mixed with like a traditional planner. So it's like super p- playful, gritted paper. They do like hand-drawn lettering for the days of the week and the months. And it's like That's big cool. bubble. Yeah, like bubble fat lettering and stuff like that. I also just feel like the like punk zine of the 90s meets planner is just like an <laughs> epic combination. It's a moment for sure. <laughs> Totally. So do you not use a Google Calendar or digital calendar of any sort? I do. And I try to like time block and all that stuff. But it's it's not my... I, I have to like to get things done and to keep myself organized, I have to write lists. Like literally yeah. lists of things I need to do. Um, same. You know, talk, yeah. you know same. what I mean? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Same. But I don't keep an analog calendar anymore. But it sounds like you do. 
Yeah, I like literally before I got on was writing like in the columns what to talk about my therapist about, like yeah, in the okay. columns of yeah. this, like all of yeah. that. So it's just like it literally just keeps me completely organized. And I I stopped using one for a couple months just because I got behind on life yeah. and I like missed calls. I like forgot to like send things I was supposed to send and like trying to run a business and work a also a freelance job is just like I, I need something to you need the bonk. hold me in the center. I need the bonk. Bonk oh, is amazing. I love that. Okay. Get it. All right. Good to know. Planner TikTok is something else we should do. That's oh, a whole other podcast. Is but. there oh, is there anybody on Planner TikTok we should know about? Are there pan- TikTok or Planner influencers? <laughs> I mean, there are, and I don't know their handles. Bonk has one that's really good, actually. Okay. okay. Bonk has a TikTok about planners. Yes. It's okay. so I soothing. Just, I have to Google this while we're on the phone. So Bonk, <laughs> so Bonk exclusively does planners or they do all sorts of stuff they do planners but then like planning culture is crazy and i'm uh, i yeah. wouldn't say i'm part of it right you yeah. know what i'm saying oh, it's one like thousand percent bullet, bullet yes. journaling culture and like all yeah. of that yes. culture psychos yeah. but i yeah. love it and yeah. it relaxes me to watch it because they're well, so organized nothing makes you right and also it's like soothing because the organization then you're like oh like i've not ta- there's no way i could possibly be taking this too far like look at what these people do <laughs> This I'm not a freak. Yeah, no, exactly. First of all, there di- there's different colors of planner that you can choose from in Bonk, and what that actually means is different designs. One is called Bimbo. One is called Busy. One is called Girl Boss. And then there's Bonk 22A. Which one did you get? I got well. It's this pink one. It's the pink one. It's from. 2021. So it's an old design. Okay. They refresh them, but it's this one. Okay. I see. I think that that one is called, um, called I'm busy maybe, or maybe that one's bimbo. I'm not sure. According to this. <laughs> oh yeah. That's bimbo. 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 That's bimbo. bimbo. Yeah. This is a, a slightly terrifying website. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> you know what it sounds adjacent to, to me, Claire, is there's this very cool print company in New York called Publicide that only does like dangerous print work, only things that like that exude danger. And this feels like very bonk. Adjacent it feels to me. I publicize and bonk are definitely in the same competitive set. So <laughs> I see that there are pages for like goals and tasks and trackers. Are you are you using all of these things? Or are you just sort of adapting it to your own methods? I don't use goals, but I use, I started using trackers. Like this is the first time I've used trackers and I guess that's a bullet kind of thing they pulled from. But, um, I, yeah, I do my water, how much water I'm drinking. I'll do like exercise. I'll do stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. 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 This is like, actually maybe, why is this the thing that made me be like, maybe I need like a planner plan. Cause you want to track your water intake. I don't know, Claire. I just feel like you don't water- even believe in the cult of hydration. And this was the thing I don't, that sold I you. Don't. No, it's more just like, I'm like, maybe if I saw water on my to-do list more, oh, I, would, you would drink I would drink some. it more. Like maybe okay. if I had a consistent reminder that that was an yeah. important thing, I would, I, would, okay. I would lean into it. I don't know. Bonk also has its own washi tape, which yeah, is what's stickers. selling it for me. Yeah. Most of the washi tape is out of stock as it should be because it's great. And I see that it sort of like corresponds with the designs of the planners. Okay. This is very interesting. I meant to thank you for introducing us to this. You're doing a great <laughs> job. I want to know about all these things. Yeah. You got anything else for us? I mean, I have I have a couple other things. Let's hear them. This next thing, listener, please do not tune out. It's an article. Um, okay. And it's recently, it was, I think, published mid-November in the New York Times Magazine. And it was, I don't know if you read it, it was called The Untold History of Sushi in America. No. Somebody oh sent it to me and was like, you absolutely have to read this. Um, and I did not. 
because I don't <laughs> submit it. to pressure about reading articles. It's but always this is good. Feel, yeah, but this is yeah. okay. Let's okay. let's hear yeah. it. Let's hear yeah. it. I think that's very healthy. Don't submit to the pressure. <laughs> There's also a podcast. They did it. They, uh, the author read it on the daily. So if you don't want to read it, you can listen to it on the daily in the archives. But I am obsessed with cults, friend religious groups, communes, etc. Um, I'm specifically obsessed with how they essentially created the health food in America. I don't know if it's like, a, yeah, it's a known history. So I'm fascinated by that. Did and you read Cultish is, by Amanda Montel? No, I haven't read that You yet. have to is read it. it. You would love it's it. It's really good. It's really fun oh read. Because it's Did all about the about language food? of cult and how, language of cults and how this infiltrates so many things in our lives. Like, yes, the things we think of as cults, but also like soul cycle and yeah. My God, I okay. That's next on my list because yeah, all of that stuff is fascinating. To, yeah, the fact that like it still per, is pervasive and permeates so many things is interesting, especially working in like marketing, advertising, all of that. There's like so much connected to that too. But food and all of that's fascinating. Like I try to find restaurants that are still cult owned or you know commune owned and eat at them, or I have like a growing collection of cookbooks. I try to collect from cults and all of that. But um, the article is essentially about, have you heard of the Unification Church from Korea? They're also called the the Moonies. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, yes. So it's all about how Reverend Moon, the leader of the Unification Church, basically told his followers, I want to build a seafood empire in in America. Um, And he said it was to help solve hunger, but really it was to like create a new business to like fund and fuel this church. He saw, I think, like this opportunity where sushi was kind of starting to bubble up a little bit, like in like big cities and stuff like that. Was this like, was like in the 70s or 80s? This was in the 80s. Okay. That's when sushi like was like, I think, starting yes. to yeah, become yeah, a yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. like a status yeah. thing. Yeah. And he was like, I'm taking it across America. And he basically built this seafood, um, fresh seafood delivery empire. And he's really the reason why most of us, especially in like the middle of the country and places outside of major cities eat sushi. I think the article said something like 70 to 80% of middle to premium grade sushi restaurants in the States are basically, they get their seafood still from, from the company he built. Still, still like 40 years later. Yeah. I mean, I, I need to fact check that. So this man is the Ronnie Seltzer of the fresh fish world. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> so I love it. Fascinating um, and just really, really interesting read. Uh, it's crazy. Cults are everywhere. They're all around us all the time. That, that's what this book, that's what cultish is about. You have to read it. You'll love it. Okay. I'm so excited. Oh, the other thing related to this, have you watched On Becoming a God in Central Florida? No. Wait, I got to write this down. It's the Showtime show starring Kirsten Dunst. It's like two seasons so far, maybe. It's like about an MLM and the cultish properties of this MLM. And it's basically like if Drop Dead, if her character in Drop Dead Gorgeous got married and moved to Florida at age 19, here's where we pick it up. It does sound so uh, good. I need to watch it's that. Really, I gotta it's add really it to good. List. It's really good. It sounds amazing. Okay, I wrote it down. I'm going to watch that. Thank you for the recommendations. I'm super oh excited. Thrilling. I have a couple other things. I think the, probably for me, the best positive news, one of the biggest pieces of good news from 2021 was the return of Vianetta. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the iconic yep. classic dessert of probably our youth uh-huh. uh, kids of the I don't think 80s I've ever 90s. had it. I'm aware what? of it, but I don't think I've ever had it. You know what? We talked about this with Chris at some point that like mm. he and I were both shocked that yeah. you had not had it. Yeah. Rome zone. 
he is actually <laughs> one of the people I noted out about Vianetta with. Really? Okay, so yes. Kelly and Chris used to work together at, in previous lives. Um, and apparently oh we're God. just uh, geeking out over Vianetta. Yes, geeking okay. out. I mean, if you love it, you love it. If you know, you know. Um, but yeah, I guess it, it was, it's been out of the States for 30 years. And, you know, I think it has a lot of deep nostalgia for, you know, middle-class fancy people. But I remember my mom, like, would literally, there was a classic ad of Vianetta where they, like, served it in, like, these really, really fancy crystal champagne coupes. And, like, <laughs> all of these people were, like, eating this. It was almost like ASMR before ASMR. It was, like, the spoon, like, cracking the top of the Vianetta and hitting the crystal glass and people eating it. And so I remember my mom literally cre- recreating that, probably not intentionally, but, like, trying to be fancy and like getting the Viennetta and we felt like, oh my God, there's like this fancy dessert from Vienna that was delivered to us in the middle of nowhere and we're just going to eat it. And it was super, super cute. I'm sorry to make you do this because I know that everybody listening knows what Viennetta is, but just it's shaped like, it's shaped like a loaf of sandwich bread, correct? <laughs> it's yes. It's okay. sandwich- <laughs> Not how I exactly what it is. Well, I'm just trying to throw it under the bus. I'm trying. No, it's that I'm trying to picture it in the champagne coops of white bread, right? That you would. I'm just trying to picture how it ends up in the champagne coops, and then I was also confused. Slice it, right? But then you have a slice of bread, which doesn't fit that easily into a champagne coupe. And is it like pudding? Is it ice cream? Is it actual cake? Ice cream. Oh, it's ice cream. Okay. Oh my God, I should have explained that. I am, I went into this thinking that. You shouldn't have because most of our listeners are tuning out right now because they all know what Viennetta is. (laughs) So I I, am sorry that I just got, I thought I knew what it was. And then I got a little confused with the champagne coupe thing, but I feel back on track now. Thank you. It's ice cream cake for the like aspiring, you know, uh, freezer case shopper. Okay. And is it good ice cream? It's like Briar's level okay. ice cream. Okay. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say it's good, but it's it's sort of like, you know, like a Carvel cake. It's like an ice yeah, cream I know what you're cake saying. kind of okay. thing. It's satisfying. I get it's it. Yeah, satisfying. it's satisfying. Okay, great. Okay. But, um, Especially if you've had it in your youth. Maybe, you know, maybe not to say me. how you would feel about okay. it today. Fine, I mean, fine. I had one over Thanksgiving and I'm just okay. going to say still hit. hit still hit. hits still right. hits. okay <laughs> love it okay absolutely love it okay and then the last one um is the speaker system that my husband and I bought over COVID it's called Oda ODA um Oda speakers so seeing live music is one of my favorite things to do it's one of my husband's favorite things to do um you know when we started becoming friends and dating it was kind of the thing we always did together and then you know obviously over COVID we've had this, you know, live music shaped hole in our lives. And it's been super sad not being able to go. So we heard about these speakers. It said that it was supposed to sound like live music in your home. And the way that they're made is they're made um, completely out of wood and they're constructed to resonate sound similar to how a wooden instrument like a cello would. So it's got this like really crisp sound and um, it's very immersive and like you know, you can hear the imperfections of the instruments and of the, you know, singer's voice and stuff like that. It's just very, very, very intimate and very, it just feels like you're in the same space as, as the recording you're hearing. So we, we bought it and we were like obsessed with it. And we like literally once a week, try to like listen to, so they have programming too, if you buy the speakers. So they have like live um, performances. But you can also play your own music on it. 
yeah, you can also play your own music on it. That's so cool. Yeah, it's awesome. But the live performances and that subscription is super cool because they get like, you know, kind of more off the, you know, kind of um, not mainstream, like super niche artists. And then they also do like live transmissions from different parts of the world. So you can hear like the, you know, a forest in, I don't know, in France or, you know, a park in the East Village or whatever. So you can hear like these ambient sounds. So it's just been nice to have on because it, again, COVID especially, like having that live music experience, you have it with this smaller community, you know, is listening at the same time. But then also just like the live transmissions from outside just have brought outside in a little bit. So that's been They're nice so beautiful. I'm looking at them. Also, you have to get on a wait list for them because I guess they're so good and popular. Wow, they're so beautiful. I'm not even a music person, but your description really sold me. Also, <laughs> also the fact that Devendra Banhart on the website says felt like a prayer I didn't even know I had been praying for was granted. So you know, wow. between you and Devendra. <laughs> between you and Natalie Portman's ex, I am sold. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, wow. These were so wonderful. I feel like so grateful to you for all of these recommendations. These are tremendous. Kelly, I we can't let you leave before asking if someone is a person who does does not have a hammer in their home, what is their ideal first like Yun's order? What are the couple of things they're putting in their carts to get them started? It's a really good question. I would say my three core tools that I would recommend is to buy a hammer. Um, we have two different ham, and obviously, like, would love for you to buy from us. But if not, just like we have, but we have two different kinds of hammers on the site. One that's a little higher price point, one that's um, a lower price point. Both incredible quality, but definitely need a hammer, um, just because there are tons of things that you know, either in decorating or you know, just like putting up things in your home. You're just going to need that. But then also, it comes in handy when you're fixing lots of things too. Um, same with a screwdriver. So I think you should have two different types of screwdrivers, one Phillips head screwdriver, one flathead screwdriver, and then also a tape measure, I think is essential. So those are the three, like if the holy trinity, I would say, if you are just starting those three things, especially if you're living in an apartment in New York or wherever, and you're not doing like a lot of home renovation or homework or um, projects or whatever, like those things will be helpful in ways you wouldn't even realize. Um, so you don't have to call a soup. So you don't have to spend money and call a task rabbit. Like it's easy. You can do it. It's not that hard. So I think those are the three I would recommend. I like calling your superintendent the soup. <laughs> so you don't have to call your soup. So good. Sorry, the soup. The, the soup. soup. <laughs> I feel like that's hardware, hardware uh, store speak or something. Call the soup. Yeah, soup just came in, picked up some tools today. And <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, do you have a, a go-to resource when you're like, I'm trying to tackle this thing and I don't know how to do it? Is there a site or is it YouTube or what are you doing? Well, I have the, I think the privilege of having family members that I literally can call if there's something I don't know how to do. Um, but I would say YouTube is like the best resource. And I think there's also a new vertical on Architectural Digest that's really cool called ADDIY. So it's their new DIY vertical. And it's awesome because it's like basically just any modern kind of thing you want to do in your home. And a lot of things are really popular. There are people that people are interested in right now. Um, they'll have like really simple how-tos on how to do it. And it's like beautiful. 
photography, really simple instructions, you know, before and afters and kind of, you know, it's a, it's a great resource. That's, that's pretty new. It's like Bon Appetit's basically, but for, but for home stuff. Yes. Yes. Kelly, this was amazing. All of this, all of this. Um, Yeah. So, so so good. good. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. And I hope, yeah, I hope that, you know, people enjoy some of these things and can check them out. But thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. And check out Jan's, please. That's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media. And we are so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us make this podcast happen, especially to our wonderful producer, Ali Slice. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. And if you have ideas for our show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com too. If you love the show, consider supporting it by signing up for a secret menu also at a thing or two HQ.com. 